Hello everyone, welcome to the Light the World podcast, and I'm your host, LT World. Today, um, we will be going over modern day feminism, but for those of you who don't know who I am, I am a writer deeply interested in culture and politics and philosophy, and on this channel we will be exploring topics in a fair way to understand how people approach different issues from all sides. And if you like what you hear, you can subscribe and find me on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to check out more of my stuff, you can see me at ltworld.info. I have a few books and stuff if you want to check them out. So, today we will be talking about modern feminism and specifically the history of modern feminism. We'll delve into some of the details in another episode. But today I just wanted to kind of talk about the basic history of modern feminism, how we got here, and why it is the way it is today. So, normally, modern femi- normally feminism in its history can be divided into three waves specifically. So, we'll be going over those three waves. There's a speculative fourth in the present time, in the, in the current time, but it's normally divided into three waves. The first wave is sort of like the voting rights, gang government representation. That's sort of the first wave, which began in the late 19th century, and it was kept going into the early 20th century. It, it technically started with the ground 1848 at the Seneca Falls Convention. It was like the first women's right convention in the U.S., but the Civil War in the 1860s kind of delayed any momentum that the women's movement got, even though there were some well-known suffrage uh, women suffragists uh, during that time, like Elizabeth Stanton and Lucretia Mott, but it didn't pick up steam because the Civil War was kind of more of a prominent issue, and um, the specifically black people gaining the right to vote was a big issue, uh, specifically in the 1870s. But it was also this emancipation of the black people and the Civil Rights, the Civil War, I mean, that propelled the um, feminist movement or the women's suffrage movement in the late 19th century, early 20th century. Because when the black people got the right to vote, there was a lot of momentum, a lot of excitement, like, hey, we have an opportunity now to go out there and get the right to vote as well. So it was around around the late 19th century, early 20th century, there was a lot of marches, a lot of movements, a lot of protests, um, women demanding the right to vote, obviously. And there was also a lot of consensus that this should be done, especially in the West, because around this time period, there was a lot of countries similar to the U.S. who were giving women the right to vote. So you had places like New Zealand, the UK, Australia, who all in the early 20th, late 19th century were giving women the right to vote within their democracies and within the republics. And U.S. was kind of behind, but eventually the 19th Amendment got passed during the women's right movement in, I think it was 1920. Um, yeah, it was in 1920. And so it was... It was a time of great celebration. Now, when they got in the 1920, when they got the right to vote, it was following World War One, and this was kind of what this would kind of push, I guess, the U.S. over the over the line, made it favorable in their eyes. Was that World War One? A lot of women got involved in the workforce. A lot of women were helping out in the country because there's a lot of men and stuff at war, and so a lot of people started appreciating the effort that women were putting in, and they started recognizing more in the public sphere, and it gave them prominence among people and there were some people like Carrie Catt and Susan Anthony who played a big part again in the 19th Amendment um, passed again in the 19th Amendment recognized and thanks to their participation in the socioeconomic classes due to World War One and the absence of men played a big part in them getting the right to vote 
So that's the first wave of feminism, and that took place in the late 19th century, early 20th century, and thanks to the civil rights movement, emancipation, civil war, and then also World War One, it really propelled the women's movement to gain recognition. However, gaining the right to vote was not the only thing that feminists were interested in. So uh, the second wave then begins in the mid, um, mid 20th century, roughly. So the first wave primarily focused on government representation, voting rights, but the second wave was primarily focused on social and work-related things. So during the Great Depression and World War II, following World War I and uh, 1920 when women got the right to vote, um, women became much more active in the workforce to help pay the bills, keep their families slow because the Great Depression made it that families were struggling, World War II made it that men were gone again, and so a lot of women had to pick up jobs to pay the bills and to help keep their families fed. And during this time, they gained a lot of, they, they gained the sense of freedom, the sense of achievement, the sense of success that work gave them, and it gave them opportunity to get out of the house, and a lot of women actually wanted to keep their jobs following the war, following World War II, after the victory. And since they wanted to keep these jobs, they wanted to make sure they had fair representation, that they were getting paid, right? And so this led to a lot of, like, civil disputes about wages and representation in the workforce, and this started to, they st women started to push against the stigma that women should stay at home and they started demanding uh, that they be recognized as equals in the workforce. And since the civil rights movement was also going on in this time period, like the 1950s, 1960s, 1970s with uh, MLK and some of these other civil rights activists, many women were advocating like, hey, they, these, um, the black people are fighting for their rights and they're getting somewhere. We can do the same. And so a lot of women found motivation and uh, teaming up with these civil rights movements to also advocate for their positions that they should be getting equal pay and they should be getting equal treatment in the workforce. In 1963 then, this this all accumulates to 1963, you had the Equal Pay Act and it was passed through Congress and it looked like it was going to become like a law, but then it failed to get ratified um, by the states. So it never became law, but it did get passed through Congress and this kind of showed the shift in people's mentality about women and how they would be represented and viewed in the workforce. But then in 1972, um, well, no, okay, my bad, actually. And in 1963, the Equal Pay Act was passed, which uh, stated that employers weren't allowed to discriminate pay on the basis of sex. So in 1963, it was in law that no company or business could say, since you're a woman, I will pay you less. Um, the Equal Pay Act said, no, all people need to be paid equal despite their sex. So that was a big movement for the women. That was a big movement for the feminists. And this also then led up to 1972, where women said, yes, work, you, may, you passed a law saying that workforce has to pay us equally. But there's still a lot of discrimination going on in the workforce. We're still not represented as equals. We're still discriminated against as a general basis, not just on our pay. In the workforce, people still have the stigma against women being in the workforce. We demand equal rights, and we demand um, security and protection. So in 1972, you had the Equal Rights Amendment, which passed Congress, but never became law because it didn't get ratified by the states. And basically what that um, amendment stated was that women ought to be treated equally in the workforce and that there shouldn't be any discrimination against women whatsoever. So, but during this time, as I said, there was also a lot of rights movements, but one of them, one of the things that got brought up during this time was the abortion problem. So obviously, uh, before Roe versus Wade, you had a bunch of court cases leading up to Roe versus Wade, and I would like to cover this. I would like to cover abortion specifically sometime. But you had a lot of cases leading up to Roe versus Wade. Roe versus Wade wasn't the only case regarding abortion and the woman's body and stuff like that. 
it was just the one that everyone remembers because in 1973, following a year after the amendment that never got ratified, Roe v. Wade went through court and it was one in favor of abortion and abortion was finally made legal in the United States of America. And many feminists cheered over this. This decision became a big, a big, um, it was a big win in their eyes because they've been fighting for liberation or they've been fighting for freedom and they've been fighting for like my body, my choice, privacy rights. And now they felt like now they stand a chance. And the reason why they were so like excited about this is that f as we, as we talked about the first wave, they gained government representation through voting. Second wave, they're gaining equal pay and equal representation in the workforce. And now with abortion, it was meant to help them be more equal to men because now if they have a they get pregnant they can abort the child and not lose any step in the public life meaning they could if they would choose to keep that child it would it could potentially sacrifice their career or hurt their career but now that they could have this abortion they could now stay up the foot with the men and actually surpass them therefore making them equal or so it goes and so that was a big win in the eyes of feminists but then the second wave comes to a close around the 1990s, and in the 1990s is when the third wave feminism begins. Now, third wave femi feminism uh, focuses more on minority women and cultural biases. So, third wave feminism starts around 1990. It's primarily focused on women of color, other sexualities such as lesbians and other minorities who were impacted by culture, like maybe Islam, Muslims and stuff like that. And this helps this helps sprout out some of things like the Me Too movement, for instance, uh, fighting rape culture, fighting just the general. Uh, misogyny in the society. This also started a coupling of like feminism with movements like LGBT, and this also started the movement towards intersectionality. And so this brought awareness about how minority women specifically actually are impacted even more by um, by oppression um, than just white women are. So like they they think a lot of the laws that got passed up to this point were helping a lot of white women, but actually a lot of minority women weren't being helped out as much. And so there was this big push for minority women to be brought into the feminist movement and get legislation passed and get uh, social stigmas get rid of that could also help them be equal with everyone in society. But then you have, this also kind of leads into a speculative fourth wave feminism, which is all about intersectionality, this idea that uh, the three ways... Uh, the three ways are professionally recognized, but the fourth wave is speculative, and a lot of people are saying that there's an intersectionality wave of feminism. It would see how women across all spectrums, including transgender women, so this wouldn't just be biological women, it would be also like transgender women are oppressed by society in a more critical theory way. So this idea that it's not just socioeconomic status, but there's actually a lot of other factors playing into this, that all these different societal structures, economic structures, and everything is actually all oppressing women, and that it's just not one factor, it's actually many. It's not just... a government factor, a societal factor, actually, there's so many different factors involved, and there's this whole push that there's an intersectionality feminist movement, and they would call this a speculative fourth wave, but it's not professionally recognized yet. Um, the third, the three waves that were mentioned beforehand are, though. So, that then leads us to the question, what is modern-day feminism? And that's a bit, that's a bit hard to define, because a lot of modern-day feminists are divided on their own positions because of the introduction of all these different things. So the introduction of intersectionality, the introduction of LGBT, the inter introduction of critical theory, the introduction of postmodernism, the introduction of all these different theories, a lot of feminists do not agree on their terms. Um, so there's a lot of division right now among feminists. So, so for instance, you have some radical feminists who oppose the transgender movement because they believe that um, th these transgender women aren't actually women 
and they're actually taking positions away from women and actually the higher the masculine hierarchy misogyny is actually winning like it was years ago in just a new form however there's also a rise of the fourth wave feminists as we mentioned who approach everything from an intersectional and critical perspective and believe society as a whole is socially constructed against women and therefore needs to be rebuilt from bottom up not just legislation changes not just policy changes but actually everything needs to be changed about the country and there's this whole intersectionality movement so there's a lot of division right now among modern day feminists and since there's so much division i'm going to be focusing in other episodes i'm also i'm just going to be focusing more on some of the um some of the details so it's it's going to be kind of, it would be kind of difficult to just define one thing so i'm just going to focus on some of the some of the main principles that most of them agree on and then i'm just going to kind of address some of those individually in, fo- in fo- future episodes so we'll future, future uh, we'll focus on a few key beliefs of feminists across most spectrums in general we're going to focus on the modern most modern feminists typically argue that men and women are equal in worth and they're equal in ability and that they're equal in every capacity that any difference recognized isn't isn't merit for any sort of different treatment i suppose you could say so that's the first argument that we will talk about at some point and then the second argument is that women experience more societal oppression than men economically socially and politically speaking um, so they experience more oppression overall and therefore they need their rights to be fought for more than men and then the last argument is that women have the right to abortion and that's a big one that pretty much all feminists agree on as well. And so next time we will be discussing um, that first core tenet. We're going to be discussing more about um, the main argument of feminists that men and women are equal. And will and, and when we the next episode when we talk about men and women being equal, we're going to primarily focus on the equal in terms of worth. I mean, we'll be we will not be primarily focusing on the equal terms of like worth. I believe most people um, in the West especially agree that men and women are equal in value and worth in a metaphysical way so we're not going to talk about like this idea are men and women equal in value or in the eyes of god because of course they are um that's not going to be really what we're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about more about are men and women equal in sense of mental and physical ability and are they equal in sense of socioeconomic status right now and so we're going to be focusing more on those type of equal not the self-worth equal um so, if that sounds interesting, and if you think you'll enjoy that, check it out. And I, I thank you for listening to this quick history of feminism and the three waves. And next time, we'll be just delving into the weeds and into details of this. So, thank you. If you like what you heard, subscribe. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find my more stuff at ltworld.info. So, thank you. And please friends. Go out there and light the world.